Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Fall camp opens this week for the 2022 Wolverines, and we will have a preview next on Michigan Podcast. But there's going to be one team that's going to play solely as a team. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The team, the team, the team. Let's for Brady gets terrific. Turns it, and it, touchdown night again. Schultz just before Brazil got him, and a leaping interception by Woodson. Harbaugh back to throw over the middle, caught by Collinger at the five on his feet, touchdown Michigan. Championship again because we're going to play as a team. And when we play as a team, and the old season is over, you and I know it's going to be Michigan again. Michigan. Go Blue, welcome to Michigan Podcast. I am Steve Dace, and this week, fall camp opens for the 2022 and reigning Big Ten champions, although you wouldn't know it if you paid attention to this offseason. It's like last year never happened, and Michigan never won the Big Ten. But the reigning Big Ten champion Wolverines do open fall camp this week. And I, as I typically do on the eve of fall camp opening up, I have a few thoughts, five things that I am looking for, questions that I think have to be answered, the biggest questions that will be answered between now and when the season begins in just about 30 days from now for the Michigan Wolverines. Let's start with this one. Who are the breakthrough players that always reveal themselves in camp? In fact, I'm going to go one step further this year and throw a name out there, Kalel Mullings. Keep an eye on him. And I think he's got a chance. We saw in the spring that uh, he certainly showed some juice at running back. He was a highly recruited running back. Michigan saw that athleticism and size and thought, actually might make uh, a next-level linebacker 
the progress there has been a little bit slower to develop, but that is a position where there is a, a depth issue that uh, a recruit of his standing could fulfill. And given his ability, he's got a little bit more margin here for an impact because he's going to try to impact two positions at the exact same time. So you got to figure a recruit of his magnitude is going to impact one of the two, if not both. So that's just an example of who is going to be the player or players that emerge here in fall camp uh, and are the guys that we're seeing a lot more of at the start of the season than maybe we would have predicted at the start of camp. Next question, will Michigan have to be more aggressive in defensive scheme given the historic edge duo that it just lost? This is a trope that is out there, and it's just assumed that we will see Michigan blitz more this year, not like to Don Brown levels where they were literally blitzing 50% of downs regardless of down and distance, but certainly more than than they had to a year ago when Mike McDonald had the blessing of really two first-round draft picks. David Ojabo would have been a number one pick had he not blown his Achilles at Pro Day. Uh, so uh, you had the, the luxury of those two guys coming off the edge. We didn't have to show as many exotics on the front end, and we could do more of that on the back end. I'm not so sure that Michigan will have to be as, ag- will be, have to be, uh, as aggressive as people think. Because there may not be, in fact, I'm fairly confident there is not, an Aiden Hutchinson on this roster, let alone a David Ojabo. But keep in mind, Pretty much every significant edge player that has played for Michigan in the Harbaugh era has played in the NFL, has been drafted in the NFL. This program, and that is through DJ Durkin, and then, uh, you know, you're talking about Don Brown, Mike McDonald, and now Jesse Minter. We're on our fourth defensive coordinator here. This program has shown the one constant here is Jim Harbaugh. He has shown he knows how to evaluate edge talent in the recruiting process. So, There won't be an Aiden, likely won't even be an Ojabo. But I could see guys like Braden McGregor, who was a big-time recruit and then had a knee injury. Uh, Jalen Harrell, uh, Mike Morris, who has gotten so much rave reviews in camp. I could see a collection of these guys, maybe not you know, one of them getting the 14 sacks that Aiden had, of course. That's a school record, or even the 10 that Ojabo had. But I could see like three or four of them getting six to seven. And they become a little bit more interchangeable there. And Michigan maybe still doesn't have to blitz as much as we might expect. Will Michigan have to be more aggressive than it was last year? Yes. But this idea that Michigan's going to have to gamble a lot more on the back end to generate pressure, given the way Michigan recruits in its recent history at the position coming off the edge, I'm not so sure that's true. It just may look a little different. The, the process may, may be more democratized this fall. Number three on our list of questions to consider here heading into fall camp, can Matt Weiss coordinate a passing game? Because we so far have seen he's not much of a recruiter. Uh, and so he is the, uh, the, the wunderkind here that Harbaugh was apparently going to take with him to the Minnesota Vikings had he gotten that job uh, back in February. Uh, he's now the passing game coordinator, co-OC, alongside Sharon Moore. Harbaugh said at Big Ten Media Days, I've never seen a play or a concept of a play that Matt Weiss has drawn up that I thought, nah, that doesn't look good. Let's not do that. So we've got to hope because it clearly hasn't been making an instant impact on the recruiting trail. I think if we're all being honest about that, Matt Weiss has not done that so far. So the question is, um, does he do it at the whiteboard? Uh, Does he do it uh, under the headsets? And then if you do that, 
then you become a good recruiter because guys are like, hey, you may not be Mr. Buddy, Mr. Conversationalist, but you know how to scheme an offense, so I want to play for you, right? Um, one thing we know is Josh Gaddis knew how to tweet. We don't really know that he knew how, knows how to coordinate an offense. It was really not that great when he was here, uh, except for the last few games of Shea Patterson's final year. And then last year, they were great on offense. They led the nation in most explosive plays, touchdowns of 50 yards or more. But a lot of that was not running Gaddis's offense of speed and space. A lot of it was running uh, variations and modern iterations of Jimmy's offense, in fact. So uh, we know that Josh Gaddis knew how to message. We really don't know if he knows how to coordinate an offense. Uh, we got to find out. We know Mike. We know Matt Weiss is not Mr. Messaging, uh, but can he actually coach? If he can do that, then what he can scheme up on Saturday afternoons, those results will speak for themselves and eventually spill over onto the re- the recruiting battles as well. But right now, we don't know that, and we're about to find out. Number two, who's the emotional leader on the defense? See, I, I think this is where Aiden Hutchinson's going to be missed. In fact, I would go so far as to say I think Dax Hill is the harder player to replace for Michigan. Because of how good Michigan has recruited and developed at the edge position, there won't be the number two pick in the draft coming off the edge on this team. That's pretty obvious, right? But the idea that they're just going to, I guess we're going to have to blitz the cheerleaders to get pressure, that's crazy. They, 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 they recruit too well, develop too well on the edge. They will get pressure off the edge. It will be probably a step down, but it will also still be significant at the exact same time. The guy that's tough to replace physically, in my opinion, is Dax Hill. We just don't get a lot of safeties like that here in the Big Ten. We don't have, haven't had a lot of them at Michigan, and you don't get a lot of them in the country. That's why he was a number one pick at safety this year. A guy that could play in the, in the slot man-to-man as a nickel, can blitz out of that position as well with explosion. Hello, Graham Mertz. I think he still is trying to recover from getting his bell rung by Dax last year. And then he was willing uh, to stick his, uh, his, his helmet in there and play the run at the exact same time. You just don't see 3D guys that very often at safety in this in, in, in this conference uh, or even in, at this level of the sport. So getting uh, finding a way to replace that guy who just made you so scheme versatile, I think that's the tougher pull from a production standpoint. What will be very difficult to replace with Aiden was his presence and leadership. And I, I you tell me right now, who's the guy on the defense that right now you're like, that's our guy. That's the guy who's rallying the troops. I, I, there isn't one. Now, we saw Devin Bush go from a true freshman to that guy as a sophomore. Maybe Junior Colson can do that. Maybe Rod Moore can do that. Um, I, you know, I, I liked a lot of what Mozzie Smith said at Big Ten Media Days, but he was very low-key. I'm not sure that he's the fire-up you know, fire chips kind of guy. So we got to find that guy in camp. And I think the number one question to be looking for here during fall camp, can J.J. McCarthy really miss an entire spring practice of throws and timing? and still unseat a likely team captain in Cade McNamara as the starting quarterback. I got to tell you, I'd be stunned. I would be stunned if that happened. Because if it does, because I I think we all know Cade's not going anywhere. So if that were to happen, it would just simply be indicative of how superior of a prospect J.J. is, really. Now, I think in the end that will be proven to be true, and I think he will play much more from the jump than we saw last year. But I fully expect, because of what happened in the spring and the fact that I think you're going to see Cade McNamara voted a captain by his teammates, I fully expect him to, uh, to be the starter under center uh, here in a month against Colorado State and maybe for quite a while, in fact. But we shall see. Um, certainly don't doubt J.J. McCarthy's desire uh, and talent. 
And that would be my I mean, I, that would be my preference. My preference would be let's put the five star in there and let him throw it around the yard to all these receivers. But missing an entire spring of from a competition standpoint, I just think that may put you too far back. But that's why we're going to have the camp. We'll come back. We'll get Mark Rogers' take on these and more things when we return. Well, let's get an alternative perspective from our good friend and perhaps the world's one and only reasonable bucknut himself. Mark Rogers has a fantastic channel here on YouTube, the voice of college football. So much great content that he gets from correspondents all across the country. So particularly if you are into investing in potential outcomes, you can get a lot of good news by following Mark's channel and his work. Good to see you, my friend. How are you? Steve, I'm doing well. It's uh, great to be enjoying the summer. So I always have this conflict this time of year because I'm awaiting football, but uh, we both live in the north. So then the cold temperatures follow. So I'm embracing summer, but looking forward to football, trying to strike that balance. Well, let's look forward a little bit more in depth because it is fall camp week. Michigan opens fall camp. Pretty much the whole country uh, will open up fall camp this week if they didn't last week with week zero upon us here in, uh, in a calendar month. By the end of this month, we will have games that actually count. So whether it's Michigan's fall camp or just fall camp in general, other than the obvious injury news. What is it that you are looking for? I, I feel as if one of the more valuable things we've gotten in recent years has been the Big Ten Network's fall bus tour. Even though it, a lot of it is, you know, sports information uh, director kind of uh, fluff and propaganda, particularly if you follow their actual tweets rather than the broadcasts, you can get some good information and some good nuggets from uh, what those guys glean from visiting various practices. But what are you looking for right now? Well, I'm sure that most college football fans that uh, do their homework, and I'm certain that you do and I do, know who we can trust based on past performance and who we cannot necessarily trust or glean that information from. So, yeah, like the Big Ten uh, bus tour, I enjoy it. Um, I wish it was a little bit more, yes, a little bit more critical in a positive light. I understand that. It's a promotional tour for the Big Ten, but still, um, I gain a lot from that. Uh, it's, it's, it's difficult because I think most things that are extracted from fall camp are blown out of proportion. Your quarterback throws a pick in the red zone on a seven-on-seven, seven and uh, that gets blown out of proportion. Let's bring in the backup. Let's bench him. Uh, that That's, I don't, I generally look at weak spots on on a particular roster so if if it's a known strength i'm not that concerned regardless of what i hear that's negative outside of injuries of course which change the personnel grouping but look for the weak spots if you've got those pinpointed weak units on a particular team gather the news there to see if if anything's been addressed uh, anybody is broken through as a better player than expected or um, they've maybe addressed something in a scheme that they can um, hide some weaknesses. So what are what news are you waiting to hear during Michigan's fall camp here this month along those lines? Well, I know that you mentioned a breakthrough players. So and there's always, there's always at least one, if not several. Yes, always. Yeah, so this is one of the great things when you mentioned having correspondence because what I 
get from them that I always ask for is I'm like, I want to know the next wave of players. Mm -hmm. I know the players that have already impressed to some level. I know the, the impact players, not even just the all conference players. I know those guys on every team. I want to know the next wave. Who are the two, three guys that could break out on each side of the ball and why that's so important uh, is, and I, I don't know where to categorize Michigan, Steve, because Take Penn State, the wide receiver position. Jahan Dotson has been so dominant there for them as the definite number one guy. Parker Washington's been nice as a complimentary guy. And the rest of those guys on the Penn State wide receiver core, they're just they're just guys. They're they're tremendous athletes in high school. They got recruited to Penn State, but they're just guys. Whereas Ohio State, Georgia, especially a particular units, but pretty much across the board. I'll take the Ohio State wide receiver comparison to Penn State. There's just so few programs where you just have waves and waves and waves of players where I think where this pays off is, number one, you've got your NFL personnel losses. You've got guys that are going to be busts, and then you have injuries. And then you also have a competition factor. When you've got one five-star at a position, maybe he can play 75%, and he's not getting pushed. Uh, he knows he's going to be on the field. He knows his spot's secure. But if you've got a bevy of talent at that position, you know, look at the old Miami teams and how they would, when they had, uh, you know, Willis McGahee and Frank Gore and like three or four others of those type running backs at one position, they knew, hey, I, I can't mail this in. I just think that level of recruiting, what doesn't get counted on uh, in the benefit of that level of recruiting is the competition in camp and that it raises everybody to a degree that uh, can really raise the team to elite status. Mark, I think this is the first time since Lloyd Carr retired and, and probably 2006, the year before his final year, that I can say as a Michigan fan, something that we took for granted for decades, basically, Michigan is essentially three deep at virtually every position. That doesn't necessarily mean that um, they're great at every single position, but that there is a, a Michigan caliber recruit that goes three deep at every one of those positions. There's not a position group that I'm like, eh, right, um, uh, in terms of not necessarily experience, but in terms of the depth and the personnel. And on offense, from a skill position talent standpoint, I mean, this is the deepest, uh, this, this is the deepest Michigan has been. I mean, I, I think. 2003, maybe in the 21st century at all of those various positions, which is why a couple of things I think will be fascinating to see. I know everybody thinks Michigan will come out and do what it did early in the year last year and run it 60 times. I actually don't think Michigan's going to do that because the two backs that it has this year are more are both more lightning than thunder. And you probably want to save some tread on those tires for games later in the year that matters. Like, I don't think Blake Corum and Donovan uh, Edwards are running the ball 40 times combined the first th- uh, those three non-conference games. I don't think that at all. And I think with all those receivers, you want to keep those guys happy. I actually think they're going to throw it around the yard uh, quite a bit early in the year because of the depth at receiver and wanting to keep those uh, top uh, tier uh, tailbacks fresh. Um, and, and I think they have toys on the outside that they've not had in a long time. Uh, and, and they've got to keep J.J. McCarthy happy, too, if he's not going to be the starting quarterback. So start there with your thoughts on the depth Michigan has uh, comprehensively across the board. But then also 
I am fascinated, and I mentioned this, you know, in the segment before you came on. I am fascinated to see if a guy who is clearly the more talented player can beat out a guy who's destined to be voted a senior captain without throwing a single pass in spring football. And really, this week at camp will be the first time he's thrown competitively since the Orange Bowl, right? Can he really pull that off? I got to say I'm a little skeptical where that's concerned, but what are your thoughts on those two things? So the the first portion of that, you're telling me, Phil Steele's telling me, other people are telling me that I trust that Michigan's depth is has reached a place where it hasn't been since, as you mentioned, Lloyd Carr's uh, tenure there. So that's one ingredient of elite status, so that they've uh, apparently reached that level. The other is the game-changer type of player that they lost on defense in three positions, in my opinion, with Ajabo Hutch and uh, Dax Hill. So who are those guys? I don't necessarily know on defense. I know a lot of names, um, and I know Junior Colson is uh, – a lot of people thought he was the best uh, player in that particular class. So uh, that that's what we're waiting on in addition to the depth. The depth seems to have been addressed, uh, to your point. But, uh, yeah, who is going to be a game changer on defense or multiple game changers, guys that flash that you just notice their amazing ability watching the game? So the quarterback, <laughs> the quarterback situation. So – can J.J. reasonably, legitimately beat out Cade during August? I would think not, depending on what Harbaugh is valuing. If he's valuing what he typically holds true to, which is decision-making and, and making the right call uh, in the pocket, then Cade's going to keep the job because he's not going to make enough mistakes to lose the job. However, I still think Harbaugh has a justifiable position if he wants to take this route to say Cade McNamara is a tremendous quarterback but J.J. McCarthy is just a better athlete and especially if he's able to show that um, and there's a marked difference in camp if if Harbaugh is approaching this the way he has stated that he's going to going back to Big Ten media days then he still has wiggle room to make his evaluation in two separate paths and there's still a J.J. path that is justifiable to say, you're just a flat-out better player. You're just a flat-out better player, and your pluses negate the mistakes or the inexperience, or that's what we're projecting. Therefore, you won the job because you showed again uh, after the dead arm in spring. You came back. You still have as good an arm as you did before, and you can make nearly, you're at the 95% uh, level of making the right decisions and right plays that Cade, if he's a hundred, you're at 90 or 95, but that over your, your talent and ability overrides a couple mistakes. Therefore I can justify naming you as the starter. Fill in the blank here for me. Michigan's training camp is a success. If blank Michigan's training camp is a disappointment. If blank. Well, injuries aside, so we're looking at defensive scheme. You had uh, mentioned that to me at one point, just trying to figure things out without the the two uh, amazing bookend guys. What are they going to do? How are they going to play this? And I am really wrestling whether looking past briefly fall camp, whether this four to five cream puff games out of the gate is an advantage to work out the defense and not only figure out personnel, work out 
scheme match to personnel and which is best. How aggressive do we play versus how conservative? And then also look at the offense to say how complimentary can we be playing aggressive on defense or being conservative on defense uh, to, to complement the offense. Uh, but maybe the the lack of a not not a team that's going to seriously threaten Michigan with a loss, but the, you know a, a Kansas State or a Louisville on the non-conference schedule to really test this team. I don't know. I was thinking it was an advantage to go in with four or five cream puffs. Obviously, from a win-loss standpoint, it is. But in terms of working out that defensive scheme and and fitting personnel into it and figuring out uh, the best route, I don't think that it is. Uh, you had also mentioned, Steve, emotional leadership on this team. So on the, particularly on the defense. Yeah. I'm not worried about it on the offense at all. But on the defense, yeah, that's, the Michigan has enough athletes. I think we'll have more sacks than we had last year, partly because of the schedule, partly because of the offense. We're going to bury teams early. They're going to be throwing a lot more to catch up. We're not going to have as many grinded out games. I think we'll have more sacks than we had last year. Scheming 25 sacks with the way Michigan recruits isn't the issue. Um, um, I, I think ha- not having Daxton Hill there to make you scheme versatile, whereas a nickelback, you can blitz him. He can play man. He can he's, he, he's physical against the run. We just don't have a lot of safeties like that in our conference, you know, and there's not a lot of them in America. That's why he was a first-round draft pick. Um, and, the, and then I do, I do think we're going to actually miss Hutch, Hutch's emotional leadership even more than his production. That's where I don't see – I could see like six or seven guys on this defense having four to seven sacks, okay? I, I don't see who's the guy who steps into that role on that side of the football. And you're probably asking a lot of Junior Colson a lot to go from a freshman to right into that role. Now, Devin Bush did it, but, you know, he was also a top ten pick in the NFL draft. Well, I'll say this, um, and I hate to admit it, but maybe Hutch, uh, he was a perfect fit for that team. Mm -hmm. He was exactly what that team and that program, this program needed at that point to lift it past the barrier, the adversity, the challenge that was Ohio State and everything else in the Big Ten and get it past it. So he was the man for the moment as your best player. When you match that with a Big, big personality, vibrato, everything. Mm-hmm. But that also suppresses other guys that might have the ability to do that, that might have the ability to gather three or four mm. of them yeah. uh, to inspire others, motivate others. So they they kind of uh, take a back seat. But now with a, a full other year of offseason conditioning, workouts and everything else to bond, uh, I got to think that those players are there. And if you're doing a good recruiting job, in addition to just grabbing stars, you are also looking for those kind of personalities. Before we let you go, quick note, what stood out to you most about Big Ten Media Days last week? Well, I I was uh, enthralled with Harbaugh more than anybody else. I can't remember hearing another, you know, the, the pointed comments about Ohio State. Uh, I did not hear every coach, but I heard all the upper tier six or seven uh, and nothing else is standing out to me that's beyond that because I thought everything else was pretty drab uh, unless I'm missing something. And so it was Harbaugh, confidence, Harbaugh, we're a different program, Harbaugh, Ohio State's a target, and we've already done it. We will continue to do it. Good stuff, brother. Talk to you soon. Take care. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate you bet. it. This week's Twitter poll results, we asked you, 
in light of Michigan's quarterback competition. Wow. And look how split these results were. Who throws for more touchdowns this season, Cade McNamara or J.J. McCarthy? And J.J. McCarthy wins by 0.6%, 50.3 to 49.7. It doesn't get much closer than that, reflecting how uh, divided people are about this race. And, and, and speaking of Cade McNamara, can you think of a time, folks, that an undisputed Big Ten champion was returning its starting quarterback and was picked by, like, nobody to repeat? I mean, I, I can't think of a time. I was going back to maybe 95 Northwestern, but they weren't an undisputed champion. They actually shared the title with Ohio State that year. So, I mean, I, I off the top of my head, I, I can't think of a time, the, the last time an undisputed Big Ten champion returned its starting quarterback and like nobody picked it to repeat as Big Ten champions. So looking at the way Cade McNamara handles his business, my guess is he really likes it that way. That'll get us to our feedback of the week from Hank Wetzel, who says, I think J.J. throws for more touchdowns, but Cade keeps the starting job because he'll also throw fewer picks, and it doesn't hurt that Harbs has always favored seniors. A lot of coaches tend to favor seniors. You don't see it as much as you used to back in the day because we don't have as many seniors as we used to. But in this case, this senior also just won you the Big Ten Championship. And yes, I get I get it. I watched every snap of all the games. A lot of times, you know, it wasn't because of Cade McNamara at quarterback. The Nebraska game, I think you can say he won that game for Michigan. I think you can say he almost won the Michigan State game for Michigan. And then the rest of the season, I don't know that the results would have been any different if J.J. had been the starter instead, right? But here's what we do know. We know Cade McNamara knows how to beat Ohio State and win a Big Ten championship. We haven't known a lot of quarterbacks around here for a decade or so that do know how to do those two things. So I don't blame Harbaugh for giving Cade every benefit of the doubt whatsoever, especially because J.J.'s happy. He's got his NIL money. He's still going to play a lot. Uh, he knows it's his team next year at the very latest, and a lot of these guys will be back. So it's a it's a unique situation to have as long as these two guys can, can, can handle it together uh, as teammates. Last year, they did great with it. We saw Cade often celebrating any success that J.J. had, but that was when J.J. was the fresh face. Now, you know, it's a full year of this. Egos are going to be more involved. So as long as those two players themselves can handle it, and doesn't split the team in any way, shape, or form between the two of them, then it's an an enviable position that Jim Harbaugh finds himself in for sure. All right, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Michigan Podcast. Don't forget to like, rate, subscribe, five-star review, whichever uh, applies to however you access us each and every episode. You can also follow us on Twitter at Michigan Podcast as well to keep up to date on what we think, all things maize and blue. Until the next time, go blue. I'm Steve Dace. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.